This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and today's episode is called Cure the Tech Headache so you can focus on serving clients. My guest today is Anka Herman. Anka started her entrepreneurial journey in 2004 when she quit her software development job in the UK, moved to Spain, and started a sewing business. She soon realized that building a business really is a creative process, the same as sewing a dress or developing software, a magical mix of vision, skill, and soul. And she now uses everything she's learned about tech, teaching, and business to help mission-driven coaches create, sell, and deliver impactful online programs without tech headaches so they can serve their clients in a bigger way. Anka Herman, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, and so you have had that entrepreneurial journey. You had to weave tech into what you were doing to support your new sewing business. Tell us about that journey and some of the primary mistakes you you experienced along the way and lessons learned as a result. Yeah, uh, it's a <laughs> yeah, it's a long story, and um, it actually started a lot like a lot before I actually ever moved to Spain. It started when I moved to Australia and I actually, I'm a translator by trade. So I'm a linguist, like a linguist, language teacher. That was my professional background when I came to Australia thinking, oh, Sydney, multicultural Sydney is going to be heaven for a translator, right? (laughs) Oh boy, was I wrong. I quickly found out it was uh, really difficult to find a job as a translator. And when I finally found one, I still look back at this job in the mid nineties as the worst paid and most stressful job I ever had. And so I knew like with literally within weeks, I knew I wasn't going to last in that industry. And then I sent out my resume to anybody who'd have it and stumbled into a software company. Mm. Okay. You know, it was the mid nineties. It was like they were having anybody kind of thing. So they weren't all too um, discerning about who they'd have in there. And so I, remember i i had a sort of a pull push kind of love hate relationship with it because i knew this was where the future was going right but at the same time there was this oh my god i'm way too old to get into this i'm too late the train's almost gone uh, and i was 30 at the time right so i thought you know this is this is the this is the realm of 16 year old game programmers right that's uh-huh. what i thought i was in for I'm not really that technical. You know, I used to love maths at school, but I wasn't really your tech kind of geek. And um, 
and I'm a woman, you know, this isn't really my thing. So there was all these things that got me to doubt that I could somehow figure this out for myself until yeah, one stories, day. The stories you were telling yourself. Absolutely. It's yeah. totally a story thing. And the good news was that one moment I realized I all of a sudden saw a different story in all of this because all of a sudden it dawned on me that, wait, programming language? It's got a vocabulary and it's tiny. <laughs> and yeah. It's got structure. So it's got a grammar without all the ex exception. So basically, it's like a real language, just simpler, right? And the moment I could see it like that, it was like, oh, I know how to learn languages, right? It didn't mean I was any good at it overnight, but it was all of a sudden, I knew I could make this mine. I knew I could explore this territory for me. I knew how to go about it, you know? Yeah. And it yeah, turned you've really out- tapped in You've, you've really tapped into something important here, which is I think that so many people approach uh, a given challenge in their life or in their business with a set of, of stories, limiting beliefs. And that's especially true with business people and technology. I'm not technical. I'm not able to do this and, and, and factor in that you may think you're too old or that men are better at this than women, uh, all, all nonsense. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, tech feels like this big monster. And now you're talking about it in the context of were you able to function as a developer, which is even at another level, but this applies as well to just the notion of, can I set up my technology and operate my business? And so many people get stuck in this idea that, oh, I can't do this. And as a result, they really begin to spin their wheels in their business. Was that something, even, even after you had moved from programming into being an entrepreneur, was that something you encountered when you started your sewing business? Not so much on the, on the actual tech front, but I got to see something else that I really... Uh, find pretty much 100% of my clients go through as well, is yeah. that what looks like a tech problem never is, right? Yeah. Because if I, if you just look at, I remember when I first started the sewing business, like, oh, I need a website, right? And I had real website chain for the first, you know, I don't know how many, how many years, because initially my ex-colleagues would say, oh, where's your website for the new business? And I was like, well, I don't have anything to put on there. <laughs> <laughs> so I had time to build a website, but I had nothing to put on it. And then I got busy and then I had no time to fiddle around with a website. So it was literally um, the thing that I see where tech seems to be the place where lacking information, lacking steps, lack of having things flashed out where it becomes visible. That's why people often feel they have a tech problem. And people are always surprised. Like every single time it's like, oh, I didn't realize how much of the work wasn't technical at all. It's, you know, and it's people find like when they choose a platform, which they usually do way too early, then it's like, oh, but do I want drip content? And they go, I don't know. What is that? Like what would the implications be? But they hadn't thought about okay, how do I want this program to roll? What is it, what is the experience I want to create for my clients, right? And if you kind of try and skip that and go 
straight to the tech, you're going to get answered, asked questions that you don't know how to answer. And then that's where the frustration shows up. Right. And I had that totally play out for me too. Yeah. You, you said something that's really, really critical just a moment ago. You said a lot of people choose the tech platform too early. And yes. if you could elaborate, I think you were you were getting at it in, in what you said after, but elaborate a little bit on, on that idea and what should come first before choosing a tech platform for a website, email, other marketing yeah. automation, whatever it may be. Yeah. Or your online programs or, you know, yeah. courses and memberships and all of that. Um, yeah, it's a really funny one because literally every single person who wants to create some kind of online offer, the first question everybody asks, what platform should I use? Yeah. I want to start a yeah, I want to start a mastermind. True story, not long ago. Should I use Slack or or, or I don't know or, or Telegram? Yeah. I'm like, what? Right? So there's literally from idea to platform with nothing in between. You know, and I always say to people, when it feels hard, you're skipping steps, right? And that's true for language learning, for any learning, and certainly true for tech shopping. Right? I and want when you to repeat people, that. I'm sorry mm -hmm. to cut you off. I want you to repeat that because it's a huge, huge idea. Yeah. When it feels hard, repeat what you said. When it feels hard, you're skipping steps. Yeah. Yeah. It's one to print out every time you feel you're running your head against the wall. The question should be, which, which steps am I skipping? Because the problem is nobody skips steps on purpose. People skip steps because they don't know they're there. Mm -hmm. Right. And so every time somebody goes, oh, I want to start a membership. What platform should I use? You know, there's only ever one answer. Well, that depends. And then you sort of work backwards. And I think the problem also is there are kind of really like two ways of going shopping. Right. And I love since I had a sewing business, I love the sewing um, example for this. Imagine you go fabric shopping. Like the idea is you need some fabric for a dress you want to make. Now, if you love fabric shopping, you know, you go on a Saturday and you go and do the run around all the fabric shops and you just love just having a look around to see what's there. And you might get some really amazing ideas just by, oh my God, look, that lace next to this. Other. That's, and you actually, what you see gives you ideas for what you can build, right? right. And if you love fabric shopping, this is like the best day ever. If you don't like fabric shopping, you know, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to get anything out of it. You And most people who don't like tech are kind of in that boat where they don't really like the idea of tinkering around with 50 million platforms just to see what's possible. They are better off starting, okay, let me just think about the dress I want to make, right? And think about, okay, this is what the dress, it's, it's for winter. So I need a warmer fabric. And I need lining fabric. And then you kind of based from what you on what you need, you then can go into the fabric shop, but then you go to that specific aisle where the wool fabrics are. And you don't have to overwhelm yourself with all the other options out there. So for most people who would consider themselves that tech isn't my thing, I would suggest that approach gets you a lot further quicker. And and, and so with that approach. What are the questions that you'll commonly want to ask and answer? What are the steps that you'll commonly want to take 
in order to make the proper decision on a tech platform? Mm. Yeah, great question. And it's literally what I usually ask clients when they say, oh, you know, I want public. Okay, I'm like, let's just imagine I'm your client. I just hit the checkout button. I paid. What happens next? Mm -hmm. Where do I go? What will I see? What will I receive? How will you take me through that process that gets me the result? Right? And it's in, it's incredibly incredible how reliable it is that every time a person struggles with the platform choice, they have no detailed answer to that question. Yeah, and the the, the thing that's so critical uh, in asking that question is whether whether you choose a platform just sort of willy nilly without asking those questions or not. If you're going to run an effective business. You have to map that out. You have to map out the user experience and 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 put the technology to work at some time at, at some point. And yeah. your point is map the user experience, figure out what you need the technology to do before you choose the platform to do it. Um, yeah. So many people make the mistake of of getting fired up about some platform. Somebody told them, "Oh, I love platform X or platform Y." They dive into it, and then they get overwhelmed. And worse yet, they'll sometimes discover that, oh, once I figured out what I want to do, I found out that the platform I chose doesn't do it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so often they will have a platform, especially when they kind of get sucked into some deal for the year, right? Oh, so, God, yeah. but, but it's, and it's literally thinking through. And the person who asked that, oh, should I use Telegram or, or Slack? My first question was, okay, so how do you imagine that mastermind to work? Okay, she goes, well, we meet on Zoom. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so how will people, do you want people to interact with each other between calls? She goes, no, not really. And I'm like, okay, what do you <laughs> want Slack or Telegram for then? Yeah, right? exactly. So it's like when you look at the tool, it's just there to facilitate something that you want to offer then you're not going to leave because somebody has said for a mastermind, we use Telegram, right? So it's like, what does the tool actually do? And what is it that you actually want? And then you go, okay, well, because when you think through, okay, when somebody signs up, I want them to see a welcome video and they also want them to have access to this little mini course. Uh-huh. And then I don't want them to see everything at once because it's overwhelming and people tend to skip ahead and not go through the process. Okay. You know, I want them to be emailed regularly to be reminded of the lessons. You know, all of that, you can already see how that translates into functionality that platforms offer, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the translation becomes pretty straightforward. So out of the 50 million options that are out there, when you go shopping without knowing, all of a sudden, you have three or four to weigh up between, you know, and then I always say, well, go. Pricing page, if that's your first page because it's the only page where you can cut out all the fluff and see what a platform actually offers on what plan, right. you right. know. And so there you can then make out of the three platforms you have left, there's a good chance that there's one where, the, you know, that one feature I really liked, it's only available on the enterprise plan and I'm not there yet, one out, right? And then you just have two. And then there's two where you have to sign up for a trial account to have a look to see how it actually works for you. Yeah, but that and, is and a whole shorter process than blindly 
you know, running around and fiddling with a million. Because each tool, I mean, every, every tool that has this, the more they do, the more of a learning curve there is, right? Right. Right. So you mentioned uh, 50 million options, which is only a slight exaggeration, I think. It might be closer to 49 million <laughs> options. And, and uh, But even for someone who has properly gone through the process of mapping out the user experience, of understanding what they need from the technology. And by the way, one thing we didn't talk about, which we can, is what information do you need? What do you need to track? What data do you want to measure success? Because that's a whole other aspect of what different platforms can provide to you. And there are differences, but let's assume that you've gone through this process of mapping it all out. There's still 50 million options against which to apply that. And so how do you get from 50 million or 49 million options two, three. Is that the point at which somebody calls you for help or, or how do you do it? I mean, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to deciding which path you want to take, right? Because this whole tech space is, it's a big area of expertise, right? Right. There is a lot to learn, you know, and the, I think a big part of the problem most people experience with tech is that there's for some reason that assumption that you should know it all and you should be knowing how this works right and and I remember I I talked to somebody um you know on a whatever it was but I brought the example as I like if you want if you decide to become a lawyer right you know you're going to have to go to law school right so that's going to be a few years and then you know when you come out you're a baby lawyer then you mm-hmm. have to go get some experience, right? And she laughed because it turned out she was actually a lawyer by trade. And so when it comes to the tech field, people somehow think I should know it all. Well, mm-hmm. in real life, well, you don't. And there is a lot. And you can either decide to spend the time and dive in, right? And it's a rabbit hole because you start off, oh, here's a little landing page. And then, oh, well, by the way, but what's an API? And then all of a sudden, you know, it will take up quite a bit of your time, which I'm not, well, you know, if you're you're interested in in getting expertise on that area, well, you know, it's, but it's your choice. You want to invest the time, but you will need to invest quite a bit of time or you get help, right? And I think there's also one thing that I would, Uh, point out to people, oh, I just outsource. My VA does it all for me, right? Um, Yes and no. I think the outsourcing has like two pitfalls and they come around. One is like, don't do fear-based outsourcing. You know, just don't say, oh, outsourcing sounds so professional. Uh, You know, when in fact, in actual fact, it just means, look, I'm scared to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. I just want somebody else to So make sure you still take ownership. It's still your business, right? You, I always suggest to people, you want to know enough to be a good client for somebody. Like don't be that person who, you know, hasn't got a clue and gets ripped off left, right, and center or asks for things that require artificial intelligence. Right? <laughs> when, yeah. when the, you know, so it's like, but the other part is also that you cannot outsource a system that hasn't been built. Right. Yeah, so if that, you try to skip the design bit, 
how, you know, let's choose the elements of your tech stack and put this all in place. And then you can go and hand this over to a virtual assistant to help you run it. You know, that works. But if you try and skip that step in the middle, both of you will. So often I get called in because the client and the virtual assistant have created a giant mess somewhere and don't know what the heck is going on. So that's not helpful. Exactly. And it really goes back to the same principle that you were talking about in choosing the tech stack, that you have to map it out. You have to be strategic. You have to understand what it is you're building and why. And I've made this mistake myself. I've gone that far. I understand what this is all about and what the big picture is and what I'm trying to create. But then instead of delegating the responsibility. I just dump the tasks. And the distinction that I make is that I hand it off to somebody who has been told do task X, Y, and Z without having an understanding of the big picture and the strategy. And that's a mistake because what happens is they they might shortcut something or they might do something that that within the letter of the law of the task that you define is proper, but it it undermines what you're trying to accomplish. And and so when you talked about handing off to your VA, I was thinking, yeah, I've done that. Um, And you have to hand it off to somebody who is operating at a strategic level of understanding what you're trying to do. And that's where someone like you comes into the, the picture. Not only would you understand the strategic level, but you actually could help map that strategy as well because you have an understanding of what the technology can do yeah and then you can build a system that then can be operated by you know by you or by somebody else that's done it that's a whole different story once it's almost i always compare it to a house building project right so you wouldn't go and say oh i have an idea for a house let's dig out the shovel and start digging like no Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know you would hopefully think about how what is it that you want from the house like you know, is it going to be your office space? Is this going to be, you know, do you need space for your parents to stay on in summer? Like, what is it that you need? And then you design, then you translate that into it. So I'm still a translator, really. <laughs> so then you translate it into a design and then you can start the plan, the building project, right? And that's, I think, anything you do in a business, it's exactly the same thing. And it's so often that people try and skip those steps. But that's the thing, innocently, because they don't know all the steps that are in between. That's that's right. And you were talking a moment ago about, you know, it's your choice if you want to dive into this stuff. And I agree with that, that it is your choice. I am somebody who's technically savvy. I founded and ran an email marketing software company. I've designed software. I can write a little tiny bit of code. I can edit code more than than uh, write code. And so I know this stuff. And I actually enjoy kicking the tires on technology. But mm-hmm. as a business owner who has a boatload of responsibility for many, many things, I came to understand that, wait a minute, this is not the best use of my time. So even though I enjoy yes, it, absolutely, you, even if you enjoy the tech, even if you're not intimidated by the tech, I think you have to think about it from the perspective of, is this the best use of my time or can somebody who I trust, who can understand the strategy and understand what I'm trying to accomplish, 
help me and we get it done more quickly while I'm able to focus on the things that are most important for me to do in the business. Mm, Could not agree more. Could not agree more on that because it is true. You know, like where do you want to focus your time? Right. And I love, actually, I love working with people who could do the job, but choose not to focus there. Like it's so easy, but there's also another element in there because people quite often, like I would say there's like two ways you can get yourself into tech trouble because when you start out with a new offer, a new idea for something, and I've really, I've learned that in software development, there is like nobody goes, oh, we have this idea for the software. Great. Let's go and hire a bunch of developers and spend two years of building this complex thing, right? So basically what people do, you kind of, you need to validate your idea first, especially when it comes, you know, when you want to sell something online, you don't want to build this huge complicated construction for something that might, you might be a little off in the positioning and maybe nobody wants it, right? So one problem that a lot of people run into that they never get to the point where they validate an idea because they think they need all this stuff landing pages and funnels and this and that and you know and I will always suggest to in that validation phase keep it simple you know if you have a funnel like if you have your system set up by all means use what you have I'm not saying it must be no tech or no tech is better but it's like you don't want to start spending your time building some tech stuff, tech systems, when the task is to validate your offer and make those first sales, right? I and so many people never get anything off the ground because they get lost in the tech jungle, not knowing that they don't really need any of that, right? At the same time, other people who then have validated and are now ready to put this thing in front of more people when they think that the spreadsheet and the Google Drive folder that got you off the ground will still work when you have 50 people in the program, well, you're in for a shock too. Like that's then when it becomes necessary for you to be able to deliver what you've sold, that things get more streamlined and a lot more efficient. Yeah, I love I love that. So Anka, how can people... How do you work with your clients? What's a typical arrangement that you have with the people you work with? Well, there's there's two kind of ways. Like I have a platform that I offer with support where nobody gets on there, nobody gets their hands on there without um, having that guidance of how should it be structured, what should be built, how you know, I set this thing up for people and make sure they know how to take it from there and there's constant life support. So that that is one area and the other area for people who are in that second group where they're really ready to grow and to expand and to scale that's more consulting a consulting kind of arrangement where it's a one-to-one bigger project so they're the two two ways that I work with people yeah and for those who are who are just beginning to think through all right I I need to up my tech game I need to move beyond the Google folder and spreadsheet uh, what are some resources that you offer that can help them think through this learn a few uh, tips what what are you offering that that can help people take those first couple of steps well I think you know taming the tech monster book is a great place first place that sets people's heads straight and saying, oh, well, this is, you can forget about, this is where you should focus on, this is what you should challenge. So that would be a great first step. You know, I also have an an online community where, you know, where I get people together to, you know, basically 
build it their way, but not alone, and build it with structure without blindly following some proven success formula, basically. And, and if somebody wants to get a copy of the Taming the Tech Monster book, where do they go to get it? They go to tamingthetechmonster.com. They can get a free PDF copy, but it's also on Amazon if you prefer Kindle or, or paperback. So Taming, taming, taming the the techmonster.com. All one That's word. <clears throat> one Pardon word. me. Yep. All one word, no dashes, no, no dashes, no nothing. Any of that kind of thing. Yeah. Nope. Tamingthetechmonster.com. And what about uh, email and social media? Where where else can people connect with you and find you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I'm you know, if you go to Taming the Tech Monster, it's all it's all you can kind of find me. I'm easy to find. With that German name, <laughs> you can just Google me. I'm easy to <laughs> right. find. Yeah. And ankerherman.com is my main website, so that's easy as well. Yep, you you're you have a German name. You moved from England. You worked in Australia. You live in Spain. It's uh, it's hard to keep track of. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Any parting thoughts, Arka? Don't give up. You know, you have what it takes to figure it out. You know, if yeah. it yeah, if it's hard, question your assumptions before you question your capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think a, a huge theme of this conversation is you don't have to fly alone. Mm -hmm. Don't let yourself get stuck in the fear and the frustration that, yeah. tech, that tech can create. There are people out there who can help you and start with a vision of what it is you need to do in your business. And then there are people who can show you a path to get there. Anka is one of those Absolutely. people. Yep. Connect with her, get the book, sign up for or find her on uh, social media and so forth. And that will help you move forward with your tech and with your business so that you can spend your time serving clients. Anka Herman, thank you so much for being with us today. Really enjoyed the conversation and I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much. listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 